you ever had your license suspended or been on probation? That would not be fun, right? On probation means that um, it's not a positive thing. Usually it means a negative thing. Let me share the definition of what probation means according to Oxford Dictionary. Probation means a period of supervision over an offender ordered by the court instead of serving time in prison. Does that sound fun? <laughs> no, it's not. But there is a second definition of what probation means. And the same Oxford Dictionary says, the process or period of testing or observing the character or abilities of a person in certain role. So there are two definitions in the Bible, in, in the dictionary about, the proba about probation. And we will look at what probation means in the Bible, in the biblical term. Let me share some examples of what probation meant or the idea of probation meant in the Bible. Noah's Ark. So, Noah's Ark is an example of probation in the biblical term. So, what happened when Noah was preaching? How, for how long did he preach the message? 120 years. He's been preaching the message, come into the ark and be saved. Did people believe him? No. Until the last moment, he preached the message, please come in and be saved. And they were laughing at him. They were mocking him. You built this boat that we have never seen before. This, there has been no rain in history. There has been, I've, we have never seen rain. And you built this ark on top of a mountain, not even in the river or, or lake. And you want us to go in there? I mean, what, what, what are you thinking? And how many people went in eventually? Only eight people. If you can just imagine the whole world population, the whole world, I don't know if that was, if they had as many people as today, but they had the whole population, all the descendants of Adam and Eve, all the good people, righteous people, and the wicked people together. They were all there. They heard the message of Noah and only eight people, not even the people from other clans, other family. It's just Noah and his direct family, Noah and his three sons and their respective wives, only eight people. They went in. All the animals went in. And they were the only ones went inside. And at what moment did the probation close? When he preached the message? When the rain fell? No. When the door was shut. Noah didn't close the door. Who closed the door? It was the angel of God who closed the door. Noah couldn't even open the door. So when that door closed, just before the door closed, people could have changed their heart and gone inside and be saved. But after the door was shut, no one could go out, nobody could go in. And the rain came right after? No. There was how much time period before the rain fell? There was one week. During that time... All the people were making fun of Noah and the family. You know what? They got inside. They got trapped inside. and They can't even get out. They were all mocking him. After seven days, clouds came, rain fell. 
for 40 days and 40 nights. And they were all screaming, yelling, please open the door, please let us in. We, sorry, we, we, we made fun of you, but please save me. Noah couldn't. So that's an example of a, a closed door or a closed probation. Another example that we have is Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, as you know, um, very wicked city, very wicked city. And God comes to visit and, and see and observe what really is going on in those cities. And he comes and checks out, and the city is actually wicked, as, as, as he heard, as the report had been uh, brought to him. And before he goes to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, he goes and visits who? He visits Abraham before he goes to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham uh, invites Christ and two angels and, and treats them. He treats them with food and uh, hospitality. And God says, you're my friend. I'm not going to hide my plans to you. I'm going to share what I'm going to do. And he said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham goes like, no, 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 God, please don't. Lot lives there. My nephew and his family, they live there. Please have mercy. And Abraham is now interceding on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah and says, God, if there are how many people, righteous people, are you still going to destroy? How many did he start with? 50. He started with 50. If there are 50 people, righteous people, will you still destroy the city? And God says, no. For the right sake of 50 righteous people, I'm not going to destroy. And Abraham said, okay, God, please don't, don't. Let's, let me try one more time. If there are, what's the next deal that he's trying to, trying to make? 45. God, if there are 45 people, five less, would you still destroy the cities? God says, no, I'm not going to. And he deals how many times? And how, what's the final number that he, he, they, they, they settle on? If there are at least 10 people, I'm not going to destroy the city. 10. So he, he bargained with God, basically. <laughs> and God changed his mind, basically, because of Abraham. But eventually, when God and the angels go visit, and how many righteous people were there, how many people were saved in the end? Only three. Four attempted. One turned around and got destroyed. She, she became the pillar of salt. And only Lot and his two daughters made out. So only three left. So the whole city, Sodom and Gomorrah, they had the chances before. And when do you think the door closed at that time? The probation closed. When the angels came to visit and Lot came out and, and, and showed hospitality, treated them and had them come inside to his house and uh, had them stay, over his, uh, stay overnight at his house. And then the man from the city came out, and they wanted to bring them out and abuse them. You can read the story in the Bible. And when that happened, angels go out, bring Lot back inside, and blinded them. And then what happens after? The angel shut the door. So that, I believe, is the time 
the provision closed for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. So that's another example. There is another example that we can talk about, um, Jonah and Nineveh. So Jonah is called by God, and he goes to the city of Nineveh. He didn't want to go. And he's like, no, 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 I, I don't want to go. And he goes down to the, the bottom of the ship. He goes and finds the, the fare or the boat that goes to the opposite side of where God sent him. So he goes to Tarshish instead of Nineveh, the total opposite direction. And he's sleeping in the bottom of the boat. And God says, okay, you want to sleep? I'm going to wake you up. <laughs> I'm going to shake you. And he sends a storm. And everybody's all scared. They're throwing everything off board, and they're praying to their gods. And Jonah is the only one sleeping in the bottom of the boat. And people go and wake him up like, hey, what are you doing here? Wake up and call your God so that we, we, would, we would be saved. And Jonah says, you know what? I know why this happened. Just throw me off board and you will be okay. They're like, are you sure? <laughs> and he's thrown out. Anyways, he goes to Nineveh eventually, reluctantly. He goes and he preaches and the whole city repents. God was going to destroy the city of Nineveh, but then did the city of Nineveh get destroyed at that time? No. The city was spared. So here's an example of a city that could have been destroyed, but because they accepted the message that God sent, God changed his heart and the city did not get destroyed. Did the city of Nineveh eventually get destroyed later on? Eventually, yes. But at that time, when, when Jonah went, their lives were saved. So that's another probation, story of probation. Door was about to close, and just before it got shut and locked, they received the message of God. And God extended the grace period so that people could be saved. Because they, but then why did God uh, extend the life, extend the time? Because they did what? The people did what? They repented. They accepted the message. They repented from the king all the way down to all the babies, all, everyone inside the city. They repented. So that's another example there. Parable of ten virgins, same thing. When they were waiting, 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 the bridegroom delayed. And when he came eventually, and there was a midnight cry, bridegroom is coming. And... Five were ready, the other five were not ready. And when the foolish virgins didn't have enough oil, they went to buy oil. And the five wise virgins who had extra oil, they went inside. And what happened? The door was shut. When the other five foolish virgins came back later, they wanted to go inside. What was the response? I don't know you. I don't know you. That was the response. So here are the examples that we can find in the Bible about probation. So do you think the biblical probation is about a period of supervision for an, over an offender, ordered by a court, or is it a time frame that is testing or observing the character of or abilities of a person in a certain role? First or second definition? Second definition. So time of probation in this world has a negative connotation. Well, I'm on probation meaning that it's not perfect. It's not good enough. You have to prove yourself to do something, right? That's what it means. But in a biblical sense, it is a positive thing, meaning 
because of Christ and what He is doing in, in the heavenly sanctuary, we can have probation. It is a time for us to prove ourselves to see if we fit in heaven or not. It is time. It is time of grace. Door is still open for us to go in, for us to be saved, for us to have eternal life. The door is still open yet. That is what it means by probation. So this concept of probation, we can see this picture very clearly in the model of Bible sanctuary. Sanctuary. So sanctuary... Sanctuary message. If you have studied sanctuary message, this is what it means. Every time when someone in the Israelites, they sin and they have this problem of sin, what do they do? What are they told to do when they have sinned? Yes, Jonathan. Right. You bring a lamb or a, sacrifice, a sacrificial animal to the temple. And when you pray over it and they kill the, or the, the sinner kills the animal, and the blood goes into where? The priest will bring the blood, or which symbolizes the sin from the sinner, inside where? The sanctuary and sprinkle or apply, depending on what, what it is. And basically the sin is transferred from the sinner to the animal by praying over it. And then the sin now is transferred from the animal to the sanctuary. For how long? For how long period? A year. Yes, for a year. That happens. So every time when somebody, so Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, Miss So-and-so, and, and grandpa, grandma, children, anyone, anytime there is a sinner, there is a problem of sin, they will bring their sins or their sacrifice to the temple, and the priest will transfer the sin or the blood into the sanctuary. So then where is all the sin, all the sins of everybody, all the camp of Israel? Where is the sin? In the sanctuary. In the sanctuary. Good job, Joshua. In the sanctuary, right? So it has been transferred from the sinner, but sin still remains inside the sanctuary, meaning the sanctuary should be very dirty. It's the place where all the sins are gathered, collected, right? But then there is one time... In a year, the sins in the sanctuary is removed and forgotten, blotted out forever. What time of year is that? And what do we call that? It's called the Day of Atonement. Day of Atonement. Yom Kippur in, in Hebrew. So that's the day, special day. So that story is written in Leviticus chapter 16. That's, that's the most important chapter in the book of Leviticus. That's in the center. And that is the key message of the sanctuary, basically. Leviticus chapter 16. If you have a chance, please go and read. But what happened that day is this. Um, so that there, is, there is daily sacrifice, and there are sacrifices of like sin offering and burnt offering when someone sins, they'll bring their sin to the temple, and their sins are transferred to the temple. Day of Atonement service is that sins that have been collected throughout the whole year of everybody in Israel, their sins are now transferred from the temple to what? To the scapegoat. 
So there are two goats, one goat for, for Jehovah, one goat for, uh, for Azazel goat or scapegoat, which symbolizes Satan. Sins of the whole Israel for the whole year will be transferred from the temple to the scapegoat, and then scapegoat is released in the wilderness, and he dies out there. Meaning, symbolizing all the sins are now transferred to scapegoat, and it disappears. It, it is gone forever from the temple. It's cleansed. That's what it means. Now, one thing interesting, inter- interesting fact is this. So that um, Day of Atonement period started from what year in, in human history? Symbolically, that's, that happened. Okay, so in the Israelites, it happened every year, July 10th in their calendar. But in our perspective, that time frame started, or investigative judgment started from when? What year? 1844, when Jesus went into the most holy place, from the holy place. When Jesus went into heaven from his earthly ministry, uh, after his death and resurrection, he went into heaven and he ministered in heavenly sanctuary. But then in 1844, he moved into the most holy place. That's why Daniel is talking about sanctuary shall be cleansed, cleansing of sanctuary. All the sins of the sanctuary will be cleansed. So that started from 1844. You and I, is there anyone who was born before 1844 here? No. <laughs> right? That would be, uh, yeah, not possible. So we were born into the time of the Day of Atonement period. So question. If you and I were born in the Day of Atonement time period, what about the sins that you and I have committed? What happens to you and I, our sins, on the Day of Atonement if you sin, because that's the day that you cleanse the sanctuary. What about the sins? If you have committed sin on the day of saint, on the day of atonement, what happens to the sin? So, if you read Leviticus chapter sixteen, it's, it shows the example of what happens. So, this is the the the, the events that happen on that day. So, high priest, who is the high priest? At, well, Jesus is high priest now. Back then, who was high priest? In the time of Israel, in the time of Moses, it was Aaron, his brother. Jo- uh, Moses' brother was the high priest. High priest Aaron was told to go inside. And the first thing he does in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 3, is this. He's supposed to bring a young bull for sin offering. And he does that, offers a young bull first. Now, if you study the book of Leviticus, there are different animals for different kinds of offering. You have different options. But then a bull is offered on behalf of who? A priest. If a priest has some kind of sin, instead of a lamb or a goat, a bull has to be sacrificed. Or, another case, a bull is offered for the atonement of the whole people, everyone. So, when Aaron is told to go ahead and do that first, that sin offering is the sin offering. It's, that's not, per se, the part of the Day of Atonement uh, ritual, Day of Atonement cycle. That one is for, it's, it's like the daily sacrifice. So that is the first thing they do, meaning, meaning, if 
anybody commits sin on the Day of Atonement, is there forgiveness or not? There is. Because that is the first sacrifice that is given on that day. That bull offering that the first thing Aaron offers is to offer atonement for people, for everyone, the whole camp for that day. That means you and I who have been born in the period of the Day of Atonement since 1844, we rely on on that offering, of the bull offering that Aaron, the high priest, offered. So if you, if you and I sin on the Day of Atonement, which is right now, then we rely on that blood, on that atonement. So that's the first event that happens. And then Aaron comes out, and then he offers a second, offer, second atonement for himself, another bull. This time, not a young bull, but a bull in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 11. So the first time, and then now second time, he offers sacrifice for him and his family. Then he comes out, and the third time, the offering is the two goats. Again, if the offering is for the whole, if offering for the whole, whole people of God was what, what animal? Was a bull. But this time, on the day of atonement, it's not a bull. It is two goats. One goat for the Lord and one goat for Satan. Zazel, the scapegoat. So that happens after. So you can tell that is the day of atonement. That means when the sins that have been transferred, the sins of everyone transferred to the sanctuary, it now is going to be transferred to the scapegoat, and the scapegoat is released out in the wilderness. And that's how the sins are removed forever. That is what's happening. That's what we can learn about the Day of Atonement. And at the end of the Day of Atonement, so high priest is the only one who can go inside the most holy place and perform this Day of Atonement duty. At a certain point of time, there is a time limit. If you do not confess your sin, if you do not humble yourself, if you do not participate in the service of Day of Atonement until a certain point, then you, as part of the Israelites, will be cut off from the people. And you no longer will be part of the Israelites. That's what had happened in the history of Israelites. So what's that point that you can no longer confess your sins and you can no lo- your sins no longer will be forgiven. What they, what, at what point is that? Yes. Hmm? Judgment day, yes. Judgment day is the atonement day. But until the high priest is inside the most holy place, still, still praying for the sins of people, people can still confess their sins and it'll be fine. But when the high priest steps out of the most holy place, is there any more remission of sin? No. There is no more forgiveness of sin. When the high priest comes out, there is no more, uh, there is no more atonement for sin. There is no more forgiveness of sin. There is nothing else when he comes out. That is a model we can learn from the story of sanctuary. So, if... Uh, the Day of Atonement started from 1844. When does that end? 
it will end when who steps out? When Jesus, our high priest, steps out of his ministry up in heaven. He's in the most holy place right now, um, forgiving our sins, blotting out our sins. But when he st- the moment he steps out, the moment he takes off his priestly garment and he puts on the garment of vengeance, as the Bible says, or garment of a king, then there is no more forgiveness of sin. That's something that we need to remember. At that moment, our scripture reading today, that will be pronounced. Revelation 22, verse 11. It says, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Revelation twenty two eleven. So what you and I are doing today can determine our destiny because our actions determine our habits and our habits determine our character and then it determines our character determines our destiny so if you and i are saying no it's okay i'll just do this tomorrow i'll just do it another time when the holy spirit is speaking to us to our hearts If we listen to the Holy Spirit, if we come closer to God, then we get closer to God. But if we go away from God, and if we say, you know what, God, I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray tomorrow. But today, let me just have fun. Let me just ignore you just one time. If we keep on doing that, well, God is still gracious. God is still merciful. He's going to accept us. His arms are still wide open and stretched. But if you keep on going away from God one step at a time, then the harder it will be. Each time we do that, the harder it gets. So the message is that we need to listen to God today. We need to come to God today because we don't know when this pronouncement will be, will be set. Let him be still. Let him be just. So that's something that we need to remember because as it says, Leviticus 23, verse 29, those who do not deny themselves on that day must be cut off from their people. So if we do not deny ourselves, meaning if we do not humble ourselves, if we do not confess our sins that day, which is what day? The day of atonement, which you and I are living right now. If we do not do that, then we will be cut off from the people of God. Leviticus 23, 29. As he says. And so, are we just? Are we righteous? Are we filthy? Are we unrighteous? Something that we need to think about. Something that we need to remember. Now, some people may say, you know what, God has been delaying his time all this time, and he said he is going to come back soon, but he's been delaying all this time. And even the Bible says here, uh, Revelation 7, 1 through 3, After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back its four winds, so that no wind would blow on land or sea or any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from 
the east and with the seal of the living God, and he called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea, do not harm the land and sea until we have sealed the foreheads of the servant of our God. So here, there's a picture in Revelation 7, 1 through 3. It says, here's a picture of angels holding the winds of the earth. And if they are given the power, to, if they are ordered to let go of the winds, they would harm the land and the tree and the sea. Meaning, the, um, the, the curse will fall and, and, uh, and at the, the end time will come, basically. Uh, the, the plagues, just before his coming, just his coming, will fall on the earth. But God is holding back the winds of strife, the winds of, of punishment, winds of plagues, still. He's still saying the angels, hold on. Why? People say Jesus is coming. He said he's coming, but it's, it's been delayed all this time. It's been like, it's been 2,000 years he went up. What is he doing? It's been 170, was it 170, 180 years almost that Jesus said he would come and the day of atonement started and it's been that long. Why is he not coming? Is he not coming because the National Sunday, is not, the National Sunday law is not ready? Because the pollution is not bad yet? This world is, is not full of sinners or sin yet? No, that's not the reason. What does the Bible say again? Uh, Revelation 7.3 says, Do not harm or land or sea or tree until we have sealed the foreheads of the servants of our God. So what is God waiting for? And what is, why is God holding back the winds? Until we have sealed the foreheads of the servant of our God. So he's waiting to seal God's people. That's happening right now here on earth. And God, Jesus is doing his ministry up in, up in the heavenly sanctuary. That it needs to take place. And he's waiting for you and me to be sealed so that we will have the name of God, the, lamb, the name of the Lamb of God, the, na- the character of God on our forehead, meaning in our character. That's what God is waiting for. He's not waiting for some, he's not waiting for the Pope to do something. He's not waiting for any other event to happen. He's not waiting for any other natural disasters to happen. He's waiting for you and me to receive the seal of God. And that's why he's delaying all this time. We can't blame God for delaying his coming because he's waiting for us to be ready. Here is a quote that I want to share from uh, Early Writings, page 36. It's on the screen. Early Writings, page 33. It says, I was taken off in a vision to the most holy place where I saw Jesus still interceding for Israel. Israel meaning the, the spiritual Israel, all of us. On the bottom of his garment was a bell and a pomegranate. Then I saw that Jesus would not leave the most holy place until every case was decided either for salvation or destruction and that the wrath of God could not come until Jesus had finished his work in the most holy place laid off his priestly attire and clothed himself with the garments of vengeance then Jesus will step out from the between the father and, and man and God will keep silence no longer 
but pour out his wrath on those who have rejected his truth. So friends, the door is about to close. I think the door has already started closing. If you look at all the signs, the door is about to close. Now, what are we waiting for? If we say we still have more time, I don't know how much more time we'll have. Seriously, it is time for you and me to be ready, for you and I to to humble ourselves and listen to the voice of God. Listen to the voice promptings of the Holy Spirit and say, God, please save me. If you are not willing, we need to pray so that we will be made willing because we know the time is at hand. That's what we need to do. There are a few things that are happening at the time of close of probation. When probation closes, a few things happen. Let's check and see what's happening. It's on the screen as well. First thing, Christ, it may be really small, but I'll read it for you. It says, Christ stops his mediatorial work in the heavenly sanctuary. He stops mediating on our behalf. He stops his accepting the prayer of repentance anymore. That's what's happening when probation closes. Second, no more repentance accepted. We can repent all we want, but there is no more person in heavenly sanctuary to receive the repentance and forgive our sins. So that will cease. That's what will happen. Another event that will happen is that God's people are sealed and the wicked people have received the mark of the beast. That's what's happening at the same time of close of probation. And the wrath of God, mixed with no mercy, will pour upon the people who have, who have disobeyed God's truth. So right now, if you think that uh, natural disasters or bad things are happening, wait until you see something genuine, something that is mixed with no mercy of God falls and see what happens. Right now, if you see the wildfires happening, the earthquake, the tsunami, all the bad things that are happening and say, wow, this is really terrible. Well, it is terrible, yes, for sure. But it is still mixed with God's mercy and His grace. And He is still holding back the winds that will blow on this earth. If God stops His mercy and Satan has control over the people here on earth, Oh, that will be way worse, way worse. That's something that will happen. The last one that I have found is that Satan has full control over people who did not repent. Uh, according to uh, Story of Redemption, page 403, paragraph 1. Uh, and you can read about that in page 403, 402, uh, about that last, last day event, or events happening in the Story of Redemption. But basically, Satan will have full control over people. Until now, even now, even the wicked people, even the worst people that you can find in this world still are under God's mercy. They still have the Holy Spirit speaking to them. But when probation closes, there is no more mercy. There is no more intercession. There is no more grace of God on those people. And Satan will have full control of the sinners. And imagine what will happen to those people. That's what's happening those to those people. 
Now, some people may ask, then, well, you know, God is a merciful God. There will be another chance. God will give another chance to the wicked people after the close of probation. Is that the, true, is that the story of what's happening? What happened after the door was closed in the ark? Could people go inside? Could people go outside? No. Could people have been saved when the fire started to fall in the Sodom and Gomorrah? Could they be saved? No. They couldn't. The only time to be saved is before the door closes. So that is right now. So when people say, well, God is not merciful if he destroys people. He should have given them another chance. You know what? It's not that God is not giving them another chance. God can give them another chance. Let me ask you a question. Those people, people who have mocked and made fun of God for 120 years, if God gave them another 20 years, another 100 years, without the rainfall, do you think they would have gone inside the ark? No. They only changed their mind when they saw the rain fall. 120 years is not they had not they it's not they didn't have enough time. They had made their mind already. So God could give people all the time they want, but they are not going to make the decision. They already have made their decision in their heart. God, it's not that God is not giving them enough time. It's they have hardened their heart. So it's not that God is not merciful. They have made their mind. Satan, same way. Some people may ask, is my probation closed? Is my time up? How do I know? We know a few things. When, uh, there are a few times that the provision will close. When somebody dies, there is no more chance. When, when someone dies, that's, that's the end of that person. But you and I that are still living, some people may ask, is my provision closed? Some people may, may ask that question. Um, here is a, a verse that I want to share. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 says, Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So that's the expression of your conscience being seared with hot iron. So if you do that, what's going to happen to the skin that has been burnt? Do you think you can feel something through the skin? The skin is burned and it's damaged. You can't feel anything through that skin. So that's what's going to happen. When our hearts are seal, seared with hot, with hot iron, our, our conscience, then we cannot feel the, the calling of the Holy Spirit any longer. That doesn't happen overnight. It happens gradually. Like it took the people 120 years. And it took people long and long years until they rejected God completely. So it takes a long time. Here, uh, SD Bible commentary, commentary on 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. That's on the screen as well. I'll read. Seared with a hot iron or branded with a branding iron. Some hold that this refers to the insensibility of a conscience that is no longer aware of guilt or wrongdoing in some what the same way that searing by a hot iron uh, renders human flesh incapable of feelings, feeling, so that it becomes progressively difficult for the Holy Spirit to make any impression on the conscience. So, 
if you feel, if you hear the voice of God speaking to you, yes, we fall. Yes, we make mistakes. We pray, but then we fall all the time. But do you still hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you? And you feel like, you know what? I need to go back to God. I need to pray. That alone is a sign that Holy Spirit is still speaking to you and you still are hearing God's voice. The door has not been closed for you yet. But, but if we keep on going that path, we may fall into that side and we may go further away from God. It is time for us to come to God and accept His, repent, accept His salvation and repent our sins and be saved. 2 Corinthians chapter, two, chapter 6, verse 2. Behold, now is a time of favor. Now is a day of salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, now is the time of favor. Now is the day of salvation. If you say, oh, I'll do it next time. I'll do it another time. No. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart? Is he talking to you? If he's talking to you and me, then it is time now. The door is about to close. It is time that we accept Him. It is time that we go closer to Him because if we accept Him today, tomorrow, it will be that much harder. If we do it next week, if we until next Sabbath, until next Sabbath to accept Jesus, it will be that much harder because Satan is working that much harder and the provision is closing that much faster. So friends, if God is speaking to you, we need to respond today. My house is, uh, my time is already up, but uh, let me just share this story and then I'll finish. My house is near Lake Hodges, and we go there to hike sometimes. And uh, one Sabbath afternoon, we went there for a hike. We, we packed some food and dinner, and we went there to, to sit. And I, I parked the car in the parking lot. And we decide, you know what? Uh, and we check the time. The, the gate closing time is like 6.30, sunset time. That's when they close their gate. And basically, the warning says, okay, we close our gate at 6.30 at sunset. So uh, make sure that you, you move your car out of the lot. Otherwise, you'll be locked here. You'll be stuck here until next morning we open the gate again. We decide to park the car outside of the gate, outside of the parking lot, uh, on the side of the road. And we went in. And we walked. And that. A lot of people just enjoying their, the lake and walking and like jogging and whatnot. And we sat there and we had our table open. We had our blanket open. We had our dinner and so on, enjoying our time. And then we see the park ranger driving by with the truck around like 6 o'clock. He's going around and telling everyone, okay, we are going to close. Please get out. Move your car out of the lot. And he's going around. And he stopped by me, us, eating dinner and said, hey, we are about to close in about 30 minutes. So you move your car out of the lot. So oh, we parked our car outside. It's okay. It's like, okay, fine. Because you can still walk around and still get out. But the gate will be locked. And 15 minutes later, the park ranger drives by again. And he stops by. He's like, did you park your car inside? Please get out. And he's going around like multiple times. He's telling everyone, every single person. And guess what? Do you think people are like rushing out to move their car out? No. They don't care. Like, nobody's caring. Park Ranger is the only one who's going around, like, telling everyone again and again and again. He stopped by, like, he passed by at least five, seven times. And now it's 6.30. It's getting dark. And we are walking outside. There are still multiple cars inside the park. 
park ranger still going around like, hey, can you please go out so I can lock the gate? He's making sure everyone is leaving. And, and we walked out. It's like, what, 7.15 now. Like about 40 minutes after the time that they said they're going to lock the gate. Park ranger is still driving around, locking one, closing one side of the gate. The other gate is, is partially open, making sure everyone leaves the parking lot before the gate closes. And as we were walking by, the kids had their bikes and their scooter, and they were going back and forth before my wife and I could actually walk to the, to the final parking lot. And when they went, gate finally closed, and it was locked. And guess what? There was one car that was left behind. This guy came out, found out the gate was locked. And he's like, we're at seven, seven, past 7 o'clock. And he's locked. What does he do? He's trying to get out, but he can't get out. So what does he do? He's trying to drive over the uh, uh, path, like a hiking path, walking path, not a gate where it's a paved, a car driving road. And that... If you, I don't know if you've been to that place, but from the parking lot to the road is quite high, but higher than this, maybe about four feet high. And the hill is okay for people to walk, but it's not a driving path. There are bushes and, and things, and the cement is there, and it's really steep. It's not meant for cars, unless your car is like lifted and four-wheel drive, Jeep. Maybe you can climb over that side side wall there, not wall, like the hill. But if you have a regular car, you can't go there. But this guy is so desperate because the gate is locked. I didn't get to see that because I was still maybe about like quarter miles away. But my kids saw that. And this guy driving a small car, possibly something like Altima or something, he's trying to get out. <laughs> he's pushing his car over that ramp. And he like, he's like ramming into the ramp. Like, he, he probably broke his bumper, he scraped the bottom, and eventually he got out. <laughs> so, that's what happened. Now, we may say this park ranger is, in, in a, uh, is not sufficiently working. He's, he's, like, really soft. He should have locked his gate. That's what I was thinking, too. But I was reminded of our Heavenly Father. He could just lock the gate and say, you know what? Forget you guys. That's it. But he is waiting going to every single person to our heart. Hey, the gate is about to be locked. Please repent. The high priest is about to come out. Repent your sin. Come to me. I have everything prepared. Just listen to me. And don't be lost. He's speaking to every single one of us. Just like the park ranger was going back and forth, telling everyone, telling me multiple times. He's doing that work. However, there will be some people, like this guy, who, who damaged this car. There will be someone who may say, it is too late. It is too late. My friends, you and I still have a chance. But if we wait too long, it may be too late. And I pray that you and I will accept a call from God and come to Jesus. Until, while the door is still open... Let us come to God and let us accept Him so that we can be saved. How many of you want to accept the call of the Holy Spirit and go to heaven? Let us pray that God will all save our souls and we can be inside the gate. Our offering today is for Union Impact. 
So our loose offering will go to there, and the uh, rest of the offering, tithes and offerings, will go to the designated place. Let us have a prayer for the offering and for our worship today. Our Father in heaven, we talked about the close of probation, and that moment is going to happen anytime now. Lord, as we read the Bible, that will happen, and after that, Jesus will come very soon. And Lord, we are waiting. You are waiting for us to have the seal of God on our forehead, not God's people, but on my forehead, on everyone here sitting in this place, and everyone watching online, on our forehead, you want to seal the seal of God. Until that time, you are still appealing to us. You are still speaking to us, Lord. So we pray that you will please help us to wake up and receive the seal of God. Because if you do not have the seal of God until that time, until the probation, then we will have the mark of the beast on our forehead. So Lord, we do not want that to happen. We want to have the seal of God. So please speak to us. Talk to us. Let us be made willing so that we can have the seal of God on our forehead. So we can go to heaven. We can rejoice up in heaven all together. Thank you, Lord. And we also pray for our offering. May you would take this offering and use it for your work, your mission, and your glory. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>